I'd like to call your attention to the scripture for this morning. It's coming from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And uh, Matt would be preaching from 1 through 9. Now, if he doesn't get down here by verse 9, I'm going all the way to verse 20. (laughs) Mark 4, 1 through 20, or maybe 1 through 9. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in, sat in it, out in the lake, while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went down to sow seed. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not bear grain. Still other seeds fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, even a 100 times. Then Jesus said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. The reading of God's word. Thank you, Ron, for reading the scripture. Gave me just enough time to get changed and back out here. Oh, it's hard to focus with all this going on this morning. I should have had Ron preach for me. I know you guys have already prayed, but it would uh, really help me and settle my nerves if we could pray again before I try to preach. Would you guys pray with me? Father, I'm just so full of gratitude today, and I want to do a good job with this passage I feel like you've given us this morning, and I really need your help, and we need your help to have ears that hear and eyes that see and be able to receive your word. So please, please clear out any distraction from our minds, and please settle our hearts. Please help us to hear your voice through these words. And please help me to serve your people well. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Um, many of you aren't with us every Sunday. We're working our way through the Gospel of Mark. The Gospels are Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's the first four books of the New Testament. These are biographies of Jesus. So every time we get near Christmas or Easter, we just get back into Mark and keep moving along, keep moving the bookmark through until we finish and um, I looked ahead and I saw that this was going to be the passage today, the day of Elias's baptism, and it just seemed perfect. So I decided to, to stay on course with it. And side note, any of you who are with us every week and are wondering, well, what about the previous passage about Jesus and his mother and brothers? We did that last Mother's Day. We jumped ahead and got that. So I didn't cheat to land in this passage today. This is where we belong. Um. 
This is Jesus telling a parable, and Jesus often taught in parables. And parables are simple stories with a big point, usually just one big point that he's trying to get across. And it's a very effective teaching tool, and um, many of us probably have heard and probably think that he taught that way because it is a very effective teaching tool, and it makes things clear and plain. But actually, we're going to study all the way through verse 20, and we're going to see a surprising reason that Jesus uses parables. So when I did decide to stick with this passage today, I forgot that within this passage is one of the very most difficult things that Jesus ever said. And so we'll try to make some sense out of it today. At least it'll be something interesting. You might have thought that this would just be another baptism sermon. This might be something that you weren't expecting this morning, but we're going to just look at it together. Continuing on right after what Ron read, it's not going to be projected, so you probably will want to get a Bible in front of you to follow along with me or on your phone or whatever you might have. Right after what Ron just read, the parable of the soils, which is pretty famous, he explains why he teaches in parables. And it's important to hear this before we study the parable itself. So he says in verse 10, And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that, and then he quotes a passage from Isaiah, they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. What? Just taking that in, is that not shocking? What is he talking about? Surely Jesus wants everybody to hear and understand and to see and perceive and to turn and be forgiven. I don't have time for a real lengthy examination of this because I really want to go through the four soils with you. But he's quoting a passage in Isaiah. We'll just go straight to the most disturbing aspect of this when he says, when he quotes, They may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. He's quoting something in Isaiah chapter 6. And it's right after God calls Isaiah to be a prophet and go be another one of the prophets to go and talk to Israel and try to tell Israel to turn and come back to the Lord their God. And after he calls him at the beginning of chapter 6, he gives this long paragraph that basically says, they're not going to listen to you, and I know that already. I still want you to go. In fact, they're going to be further damned by hearing again and still hardening themselves from it. It's just a really hard passage of Scripture. Now, I know it's much more comfortable to think of God only in terms of mercy and grace, but God is also just. And after a certain point of ignoring Him, He stops offering mercy and grace to His people. So Isaiah was a prophet after many prophets that God's people had ignored and even killed. And that's what Jesus is quoting. So it is jarring, especially out of that context from the book of Isaiah. And it's still kind of jarring knowing the context. But that's where it's coming from. The the big idea is hearing God's word is really dangerous. What we're doing right now is actually really dangerous. Because when we hear God's word and ignore it or reject it, there are consequences. I know we don't like to think of it in those terms... We like church to feel nicer than that, but it just is true. 
there, there are consequences for ignoring and rejecting God's word. And that just makes sense. I mean, any authority figure that speaks to us, if we ignore or reject what they say, there's going to be consequences. I mean, you parents, when you tell your children things over and over and over and over, the more you say it and the more they ignore it, the angrier you get. And the more you say it and the more they just outright reject it, their consequences increase. I see some kids like looking at their parents, smirking. They must have just gotten yelled at on the way to church this morning. Well, God's no different. I mean, he, he is merciful, he is gracious, but he's also just. And these people were Jewish that he was talking about here. So as Jesus is teaching, he's teaching in parables that he's going to explain to his called ones, but to the crowd, which is something we talked about a few weeks back, and I'm sorry that those who are here this morning and missed that don't have that context. It would help you understand this better. But in terms of the crowd, he knows they're going to hear it, and he knows they're going to reject it already. So he leaves it as a parable to them. And they just heard what Ron just read to you. But the good news for us is we're going to read the next several verses in which he explains it, which leads me to believe that there's hope for us not to be hardened people, that there's hope for us to listen and to be softened and to turn. You know, I really enjoy this part of what I get to do. I get to preach and teach the Bible. I really like that. I really like spending a lot of time in here and figuring it out, what it means. It's always surprising. It's always deeper. There's always layers I didn't know. And I love to try to give that to you guys. Um, but it also really scares me every week. Um, I never know if I'm going to, if God's going to give it to me in time. Sometimes it's between Sunday school and the service. I'm still trying to get it into a form that makes sense. And especially on a Sunday like this, where there's just so many elements to it, and it just really gets me off kilter. It makes me very nervous. And one of the things I remember to comfort myself as I get up here is that there's a promise in the book of Isaiah where God says that his word will never go out without accomplishing its purposes. It always accomplishes its purposes. But in this passage, I'm reminded that God's purposes with his word sometimes is judgment. So the same word will go out and will be received in different ways. Some people will be softened by it and will be responsive to it and will welcome it in and will grow. Other people will be hardened to it. It will bounce off. And having heard it and rejected it again, they'll become even harder, more hardened to it. So the same word goes out two very different effects. Some are softened and, softened and drawn closer to God through Christ. Some are hardened and sent further away. And that just is, this is just a statement of fact that Jesus is putting out there. So what we're doing right now has extreme consequences. It's very serious. Do you ever wonder why in churches there are just some awful people sometimes? You go, you go visit a church or be at a church or get to know church folks, and it'll be people who have been church folks for decades and they're just these grisly, hard-hearted, cruel, gossiping people that never seem to be aware of their own issues, but are always aware of everybody else's. And they're just malfunctioning mutations of people. And you think, well, you've been in church your whole life. How has this happened? 
Well, it's because they have sat under the word, continually ignoring it and rejecting it, growing harder and harder and harder to it. And that callous gets thicker and thicker and thicker and thicker and just gets worse and worse and worse. That happens. You know, just hearing the word is not enough. Don't just be hearers. Uh, don't just be hearers only, but be also doers of it, he says in James. But there is good news. That, this is a really pessimistic launch into a sermon right after my son was baptized, I know. But this is the word that I feel like God's given us today. So the good news is, starting at verse 13, Jesus explains this parable. So through the word of God now, it's as though he's sitting here with us and he's patiently saying, but I don't want you to be these people who see and don't perceive. I don't want you to be these people who uh, don't understand, even though you've heard it. I want you to understand it. So he just walks through each step of the parable. And that's what we're going to just spend a little bit of time walking through together right now. But do be careful how you hear it. So first, well, we'll just start with verse 13 and read. And Jesus said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? There's something foundational about this parable in particular, it seems. The sower sows the word. These aren't words we use a lot today, but basically just picture somebody with a bunch of seeds and they're sowing the seeds, scattering the seeds out of a bag or something, however they did it back then. The sower sows the word, the word being... God's word, um, the word being the message about Jesus Christ as the Lord, the Savior, the King. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. So first, there's four types of people, four types of hearers of the word. The first type, he explains, are path people. And these are people for whom the word does not penetrate at all. It looks like if Mark Jameson and his crew came out here and tried to aerate the parking lot and spread fertilizer on the parking lot and get the parking lot all nice and then put seed out there, it wouldn't matter how much work they did to try to prepare the parking lot. It's too hard. The word doesn't penetrate at all. The seeds wouldn't penetrate. Nothing would grow. That's what this type of hearer is like. This type of person can hear a friend or, you know, loved ones or a church service and hear the word about Jesus and it just ding, ding, just bounce right off. Not even an intellectual interest in it, nothing. And he goes on in verse 16. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. So the second type of people, rock people, initially they receive the word with great joy and excitement. And at first it seems very promising. And they, in a church atmosphere, they get very involved. They volunteer for everything. They're at every Bible study, every church service, every prayer meeting. They can't get enough initially. But it doesn't last very long. It's like our yard at the parsonage. Our yard at the parsonage is littered with rocks. And you think you've gotten all the rocks up and then it rains and there's a fresh harvest of rocks that you have to get up. And you think you've gotten all those rocks up and then you mow and you hear multitudes of rocks clanging around on your lawnmower blades. You can't get rid of them. And when I try to plant grass back there, which I have tried, 
it'll spring up, but then as soon as it gets hot in the summer, it dies. And it's just like what Jesus is talking about here. There's an immediate reception of it. That word received in the original Greek is an aggressive word. It's like a kid at Halloween grabbing the candy. They can't get it fast enough. These types of hearers love it at first. But as soon as the sun comes up, as soon as the heat begins, it scorches anything that that word was producing in them, and it dissolves and it goes away. Specifically, in verse 17, it says, They have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Tribulation is not a word we use a lot. It means basically intense pressure. Um, the sense of the word in the Greek is like being confined, confined and pressed and rubbed against all at the same time. So it's just sort of the intense pressure and stress that can come from trying to grow in the word in this world. That's a hostile environment for it. Persecution is just being hunted down because of your allegiance to the word. We don't experience a lot of that here in America. There's a third type of people, the thorn people. In verse 18, and others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word until it proves unfruitful. So for path people, it says Satan comes and snatches the word up before it ever even penetrates their consciousness. For rock-type people, um, it's suffering that scorches the word. For thorn-type people, the word grows up and the stuff of the world chokes it out. That word choke is two words in the Greek, and it's choke plus the word with. And the emphasis is on how close these weeds of the world are to the attempts of the word to grow in a person's life. It's just too wrapped up in the things of the world for the word to have a chance. The cares, let's see, 19... But the cares of the world, cares can mean anxieties or fears or, you know, just sort of the mental obsessions that we get in the world. The deceitfulness of riches, all the lies that we believe about if we just had a little more, what we could do, what we could get, how peaceful it would be, how great it would be. The desires for other things, other things is basically everything except for God. You know, all the passions that we have that have nothing to do with God. Some of us are the type of hearers that are so wrapped up in these other things that the word doesn't have a chance. So right now we're hearing the word, but we've got so much on our mind and we've got so little time. There's no time to process what we've heard. There's no time to think about it. There's no energy. We don't have any mental bandwidth to allow the word to grow within us. But there's a fourth type of hearer, and this is what I believe Jesus wants us all to be. And this is what I pray that we all are in verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So the good soil people are ones who accept it. That word accept is the idea of welcoming it. It's what you would do if your house was clean and beautiful and a good friend came by, just dropped by. And it just so happened your house is ready to have somebody in it and it's somebody you want to be in it. So you say, come in, come in, and you welcome it in all the way in. 
That's what the good soil looks like when the word hits. It's not just a shallow reception of it, and it's not just mental agreement with it. It's full welcoming it in all the way deep down into the heart so that it changes us. Not hardened like the ones on the path, not shallow like the ones in the rocks, not all wrapped up in the world so that we don't have time to welcome in the word like the ones in the thorns. And the good soil is extremely fruitful. Did you see how fruitful this soil was? They hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And one of the commentaries I read, that many folds of fruitfulness is crazy compared to the fruitfulness that they would have known from their crops back then. It's amazing fruitfulness. So clearly what we want for ourselves, if we believe what Jesus is teaching here, is to be good soil people. We want to be wary of Satan's influence. We want to be wary of how suffering can drive us away. And we want to be wary of how stuff can choke out the opportunity for the word. And we want to welcome it in. Now that doesn't mean you are gullible and you just, whatever you hear from a pulpit, you take in and live by it. It doesn't mean you never ask questions. It means that the objections you have and the questions that come up, you actually wrestle with and you actually give thought to and actually give attention to instead of just brushing it off. Now, the word we've heard this morning throughout the whole service is that Jesus is the Savior, the one route to forgiveness and cleansing, that Jesus is the Lord, the rightful Lord of our lives. And the way to welcome that is by trusting in him and following him. Or, if you're not ready for that, if there's questions, investigating it and taking it seriously. But obviously the main thing on my mind is my little boy Elias just got baptized. And you know, the fact is, time will tell. He hasn't experienced a great deal of tribulation and persecution. Time will tell if he has deep roots in the gospel. I feel like he has a really strong start and he's got the best uh, opportunity in the world. But time will tell. And the Bible says it's those who uh, believe and follow Jesus to the end, who persevere to the end, who are saved. So it's not all about a good, strong start. It's about a good, strong life and a good, strong finish, trusting and following Jesus. I think any one of us are susceptible to uh, having the word snatched from us, having it scorched by the pressures and sufferings of the world, or having it choked out of us by being too wrapped up in the things of the world. So my prayer for Elias and myself and for you guys is that God would be gracious enough and that the gospel would penetrate deep enough that we could be good soil. So let's pray together for that. Father, thank you for Jesus and his clear words to us. And I just ask that you would help us to be good soil, that you would... Help us not to walk out of here more hardened, but softer. Help us to be more welcoming to your word. For those who are experiencing tribulation right now, that heavy grinding pressure that we experience in this world where things are stressful and money is tight and family gets sick and pressures at work and pressures at home and our health 
deteriorates and all these things can make it so hard. Lord, please be especially gracious to those under such pressure. Please help them to persevere. Help them to move toward Jesus and not away. For those who are all wrapped up in the things of this world, Lord, help them to see these entanglements and sever them by the root and cut free and be free to trust and follow Jesus with a clean conscience and a free heart able to love you and love people. And I thank you for all the good soil people in this church who mean so much to me. And may, they continue, may they continue to be fruitful. In Jesus' name, amen.